0: Welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hi, thanks for joining me today on this podcast. Uh, it's going to be part of a short series called Pandemic Perspectives, and today's uh, punchy title is Conspiracy. And uh, my, my goal really is to look at some of the pressures, some of the conspiracy, some of the ideas, some of the things that are, are, are pressing in on us in this season of pandemic. It appears that the pandemic season is one that is exposing us to, and is surfacing all kinds of pressures and difficulties, theories and so forth. So I want us to try and be aware of all that, and yet help us be rooted in a biblical perspective. Uh, with the goal of keeping our eyes really on Jesus in a really healthy way. And also being able to think and know and see from a heavenly perspective, uh, be in touch with our heavenly father's agenda for these days and not to uh, be jumping around because of fear or pressure from the media or or friends or whatever uh, uh, to think about, uh, to to jump to a conclusion about what is going on. Uh, so those that's my goal. I want to help us stay biblical, help us be heaven to earth in our perspective, help us keep our eyes on what he's doing uh, so that we can partner with that and we can be more and more effective and stay in a better place of peace and effectiveness in this season. And uh, I'm going to keep us biblically rooted. So we're going to, going to jump in actually into Psalm 2. I'm going to read the first six verses for you. So wherever you're listening to this, you can get some of the some of the Bible uh, and, and we're going to work our way through these verses actually as our structure for today's talk. So Psalm 2 verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us he who sits in in the heavens laughs the lord holds them in derision then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying i think this is really interesting that this is the outcome of his fury and it's this as for me i have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's his response. That's the Lord's response uh, to these plots against him. And this, this psalm was written by David around the year uh, 1044 BC. So in round numbers, there's somewhere over 3000 years ago. Um, Why why am I saying that? I'm saying it because the idea of conspiracy, the idea of of those in authority, those with influence, those with money and power, somehow working together to to thwart the Lord, to cast off the influence of God, is absolutely not new, and just is on cycle from the beginning. Uh, think back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. You have the devil himself conspiring to allure them away from. Uh, from the Lord really away from this, uh, garden away from obedience, away from this benevolent father. Uh, and he succeeds, he, he plots and he succeeds, he's clever and he lures them away. Um, uh, fast forward many thousands of years to the book of revelation and revelation, uh, chapter one and verse nine, John, who's the writer of revelation. He, he says this, John, your brother and partner, in the tribulation and the kingdom. He's aware that his season, where he's at, is in tribulation, and and so he should be. The the writer, the Roman historian, Tertullian, uh, records that John was currently in exile on Patmos, where he wrote the Revelation, and probably that was because they tried killing him in a stadium by boiling him in oil, and he was completely unmarked by the experience and all that witnessed it became Christians. Uh, so uh, Domitian was the Roman Emperor of the time and he was instigating um, quite a bit of uh, uh, persecution against the Christians. So John is writing as a brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom. So he was having many troubles of his own kind in his era as well and uh, you think that that he is trying to help the people that he's writing to in their situation because they're experiencing similar troubles to the ones that he has been having um and ultimately we see that if you like the ultimate manifestation of this conspiracy uh against the lord this this ganging together this rulers taking counsel together at the cross Uh, if you think about it you have the collusion of the roman authorities with the religious leaders in jerusalem and israel at the time and they conspire together against the lord against his anointed the anointed one jesus jesus christ the anointed one and they 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 managed they didn't have social media but they used their their means of influence of the day to turn a crowd that not long before had been proclaiming Hosanna and welcoming Jesus in as a king, to turn that crowd using false information uh, and and spreading that amongst them to turn the crowd to start crying out for his crucifixion and the release of Barabbas, uh, a convicted murderer. And they succeeded. They manipulated that crowd. Uh, They manipulated them using, uh, using lies and the outcome was that the king the, killed the lord of glory and it was this this combined effect of collusion of plotting together and of then stirring up and influencing the wider crowd in order to implement something against the lord and against his anointed ultimately to to kill him um why why do the rulers why do people take counsel against the lord why do they stir themselves up. Why? My my feeling is, and I think there's there's good biblical backing for this, is if you look at Jesus's day, the people that he was influencing and the crowds that he was influencing were growing and growing. Why is that? It's because people loved the love of God. They loved the goodness of God. They loved the power of God that was being displayed by Jesus. They They were gravitating to it, there's something. It, there was something pure about it, powerful about it. He was meeting needs. He was freeing from demons. He was, he was healing. Uh, Jesus was incredibly good. He was the ultimate good. He was the total display of the Father of the good, good Father. And that that demonstration and display provoked a response. It provoked a response in many of of devotion in many of just wanting to follow, but it also provoked a response in, in the religious and political leaders. Uh, it provoked a response against him, and they plotted against him, as we've just talked about. Authentic displays of God's good kingdom and power provoke evil powers. Uh, you see this in a small way uh, when Jesus enters the synagogue in Mark chapter 1. And and I guess this guy had been going to synagogue a long time and suddenly the fact that he's demonised is revealed and he cries out, the demonised man cries out, I know who you are, I know that you are the son of God and Jesus uh, rebukes him and he gets delivered. The presence of goodness, the presence of God provokes the manifestation of, of acts of darkness. And this can happen at an individual level, it can happen at a political level, it can happen at a global level. Uh, displays of God's goodness and power and love uh, can get things riled up. And and I think we're living in, in that kind of a day. God has been pouring out his goodness. He's been displaying and speaking of the good father. The Holy Spirit has been healing and delivering and and giving fresh understanding of how good God is now for several decades. He's been pouring out his goodness in the earth. Anyway, back to Psalm 2. What's God's response to all this plotting and scheming? Um, well, the first thing that he does is that he laughs. And he, th- he then says that, that there's an, an element of derision in this. But But because we know that later in Psalms, it says that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. I sense that there's there's two things happening in this laugh. One is that, that there is the derision expressed there in the verse, but also I think it's nothing is going to shake the mood of heaven. Let's put it like no, no opposition, no scheme, no plot is going to shake heaven's mood because of the huge confidence that he has. And so he's laughing at a place because there's joy in heaven all the time. And he's laughing at them because... It's derisory what they are thinking of so the mood in heaven isn't changed or challenged by powerful people plotting together um, whether it's plotting for the demise of God, the demise of Christianity, the demise of the church he's not impressed and he continues to express his confidence through laughter and the world we live in is one of of, of significant uh confusion and pressures and uncertainties and as we mentioned some not a few just a few conspiracy theories and and, and i'm really not wanting to dis if you are someone uh listening to this i i don't want to dismiss conspiracy theories out of hand by calling them conspiracy theories i think that's not that's actually not fair on some people who have uh, have researched these things I'm just expressing that there's this sense of things are all stirred up around us and and, and people want to know what to do. And some people are taking different positions over these perspectives. Um, So what does the next thing he do? Having laughed, he says, what what I'm going to do in my fury uh, is I have set my king in Zion. So here we are, we are directed away from the complex and nefarious plots and cons- conspiracies of the rulers and powers of the earth, and we are directed to the king. He's saying, my solution is my king. I'm installing my king on Zion, my holy hill, and he is installed secure. He's in." stalled above all other authorities he is unchallenged and unchallengeable and it can sound slightly strange language to us but in the context zion was the place of government in jerusalem and in israel and it became synonymous with he said his king he said his king in government over his church and even wider he set his king in government over the earth and Ephesians 1 tells us that he's established Jesus as king over all things for the church. He is the undisputed king. And it's good for us to remember that. Uh, Whether there's plots in the world to undermine our faith, destroy family, prevent us from preaching the gospel, it's really important to remember who is in control and who has been installed. As the king and it's really important because the enemy wants to distract us he wants to fill our head with large and fearful scenarios he wants to set out his agenda and get us distracted by his agenda he wants to appear to be the king he wants to appear to be in control he wants to appear uh, to be large and he wants us to become Afraid because as we become afraid, we actually begin to empower him. And Jesus has already disempowered him, so he has no power of his own by right, he only obtains influence because from that place of fear, it's like the opposite of faith. We empower him, so it's like he's trying to make himself more scary, he's trying to make himself grander than he is, in order for us to give him power by moving into a place. Of, of of fear i think it's beautiful that it says in, in in ephesians 1 excuse me that he's he's become king he's become lord for the church he's not just lord over the church he's lord for the church he's here to partner with us in the earth to bring about the benevolent amazing incredible will of god And and in these days i really want to encourage us to think about what is he doing ask the holy spirit the question what is god doing what is he doing in your life what is he doing around you in your family what is he doing in your workplace what is he doing in the earth what is god doing in the earth not what is what are is the media priority at the moment what is not what is number 1 in the in the news outlet not what is the thing you're getting most on your social media feed They are not necessarily going to tell you what God is about. Even going and finding the the best prophet on YouTube is not necessarily going to tell you this. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you about what he is doing, what the Father is doing. Undistracted from all the other noise, find a space in your life to ask that question and have a listen. What is his agenda? What is his purpose? at this time what is his purpose for you he has a plan for you and as we do all this let's do what we're being encouraged to do in this psalm which is fix our eyes on the king that has been installed for us let us gaze on the on the royalty and the undisputed and unshakable glory and authority of the king jesus who is king of kings and Lord of Lords it is possible right in this moment to lift our gaze as it were to turn our affection to the undisputed Lord of glory and right now in this season that is one of the best things we can do so I want to encourage you to do that as we just close out this section on Psalm 2 and remember remember that he is the King and none of the stuff that's taking place in the world right now, none in one sense, none of it is new. This is our season of tribulation and challenge and difficulty. But we have a king and he is enthroned for us as the church. And I'll talk to you more next time. As the next phase of this is coming to you next week. Okay, God bless. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.